Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. Today, we have the honor of being able to speak with Maxime Trubitsky, one of and the only founder and CEO of VLM Ventures, the largest one-on-one e-commerce automation program online that in 2018 made a combined $3.7 million for his clients. Um, Max quickly became one of the top marketing authorities in the world after generating $1.2 million in e-com sales last year and developing a six-figure a month consulting business. Uh, he's a drop shipper, marketer, philanthropist, world traveler, and the best part is that he's only a teenager. So without further ado, please put your hands together digitally, of course, for Max. How you doing today, man? Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. The pleasure's all mine. So let's jump right in. What is your story? So my parents actually came from Ukraine while I was still a young boy. And when they came over, like during this entire immigration process, they generated a lot in debt. So like just starting out to make money at first was a necessity for me. And I went from like creating my own modeling and management to like inviting people over to my house, like from Instagram, just to like have my photographer shoot some photos to creating my own clothing brand until finally I stumbled upon dropshipping. And that's where I was able to help my parents out and kind of give us some little like breathing space. And then when I realized that I felt like I had a talent for it, I had a passion for just changing lives and entrepreneurship, then I pursued it full time. I like, kind of draw, I didn't like necessarily drop out of high school, but I stopped going. I didn't like formally drop out, but I made business my priority. And I realized that like I shouldn't be thinking about how many like dollars I should make, but I started thinking about how many lives I can change. And once I changed that into my entire mindset, I was able to realize that um, money in the end, it's only like a way to keep score, but it's all about like playing the game and having fun, seeing how high and how, how big you could scale these businesses to. That's incredible. So when you were moving um, and, and you said you moved from Ukraine, I, I don't remember it, but my parents said when I was just a really young boy, like three years old. What was your relationship like with your parents at such a at such a young age? To be honest, um, they were kind of dependent on me because obviously moving here without a formal education, it's going to be hard to find a job, especially without them having any clue about like the internet, social media, and how like, you could take advantage of, I guess, the opportunities here. But like I was actually able to realize like the power of social media very early on, and they like the beautiful part about it is that like they believed in me. There's a lot of parents out there that like want their children to go through this entire process of going to this going through the same exact education system as everyone else, then going to the same college as everyone around you, and then pursuing the same occupations as everyone around you. But at the end, like when you just think about it logically, like who are you gonna end up like? You're gonna end up like everyone else around you who you went through the same exact system with when I realized that and I helped them realize that as well. Um, I was able to start generating money and start helping them and they were extremely grateful for that. So let's go back to your early childhood. What did it smell like? (laughs) What did it smell like? 
to be honest, it smelled like when I think about it now, it smelled like just wet coins. I don't know. Like it wasn't too g- glorious or luxurious. It smelled like that's, that's the vibe that I'm kind of getting right now. Like wet coins. I always think back like either it's a, either it's raining really hard or it's like a beautiful sunny day. Like when I'm hanging hang out with my friends and like the one thing which I kind of and am extremely grateful for for myself is that I developed the habit of reading lots of literature and even though that kind of had its health consequences because I was reading like four or five hours a day on my little bed I didn't have a desk back then to do any of my homework on so I would read all on my bed in like horrible lighting and like I messed up my vision I messed up my back but I feel like through literature that's where creativity stems from so I kind of just think back and smell like old books and wet coins. When you were really, really young, what were the values that your family instilled in you? One thing I'm also extremely grateful for is that my dad would always teach me that you should always be yourself and at all costs, be a nonconformist. He always told me, he would always explain this phenomenon of the sheep. And he would say at all, like everyone was getting on Facebook back then, like every single kid in third grade, fifth grade was on Facebook. And he told me like, you can't do what everyone else is doing. You got to set your own trends. And like, I was just uh, reading a little article about it today. And like influencers, they start their own trends and all influencers like psychologically are nonconformists. So my dad and like my mom as well, they, they both taught me to try to be different at all costs because like I said, like my mindset later developed that if you're going to go through the same exact education system, then like you got to be different somehow to somehow succeed in the society. And I feel like the best and easiest way to become different from everyone else is through self-education. So as soon as like you have more knowledge, more about like the world around you, more knowledge in psychology and philosophy in culture, and then obviously later on in marketing business, then you're just going to be able to have that creativity, which allows you to not only change your own life, but change other people's lives around you. When you were reading all those books, four to five hours a day, what sort of books did you read? Like what, what sort of books caught your attention? So when I was a young, like seven to I guess 12, I would read classics literature. For example, one of my favorite books was like The Three Musketeers, The Man in the Iron Mask, Alexander Dumas. That's just like, in, like I said, creativity. There are also Tom Sawyer, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Those classics are just, not only are they enjoyable, but they do like, I 100% fully believe that they increase your intelligence and your creativity. Then later on, once I started realizing that like I had to make money as a necessity, I got into books that kind of just inspired me. And one of my favorite books was Think and Grow Rich. That just like starting out and setting that goal to make my first $10,000 online. Like without that book, I wouldn't be able to achieve it. And obviously once you set that goal, everyone around you is just laughing. Everyone around you is like, oh, like you're just a kid, right? They think it's impossible. And once you set that goal and you realize that you actually have the potential, no matter who you are, you have the potential to just develop those skills to make money, it doesn't matter how online, offline. Then once you have that confidence, you write down those goals, you stare at them every single day, that's what's gonna change everything. And like that's why thinking grow which was like such a huge factor. And later on in the future, I was reading books like 
Gary Vee's Crushing It, that book had a huge impact on me as well because, like I said, there's like a little switch in me realizing that I need to make money on social media. I mean, me realizing to make money and then that little realization that like social media is the platform which is going to end up, I guess, revolutionizing everything. Like not only my own life, but giving me the platform to change others in the world. So when you first started dabbling here and there in different businesses, did you think of yourself as an entrepreneur or did you think, y'all, I have got to make money, but this is the easiest thing that I can find that is going to make money? Like what was the mindset at that point? For me, like I made, that's like one thing I would change going back is like, I didn't really consider myself an entrepreneur. I felt like I was still dependent on everyone else, but in reality, when you do, like, even if you create your first store on Shopify, you're automatically an entrepreneur. And, like, that's going to give you such confidence to just, like, completely crush it in a way. So, for me, like, I, I thought I was, like, oh, I have to make money. I have to make money. But then only after, like, I had that little bit of breathing room after I made, like, a couple thousand. That's only, like, if you ever, if you only think about just making money, you, you could eventually make some, but that's only going to be short term. You got to think about, I guess, the greater good or the long term. and you being an entrepreneur, like I said, entrepreneurs are influencers. They start new trends and they change lives. And again, that took like, it's all like a butterfly effect. You're not going to be able to understand everything right away, but like through experiences, like things just click. When you first started until the point where you've learned about dropshipping, you're like, all right, we got something. Let's go. What were some of those obstacles that you ran into that you didn't need to go through? Like for somebody who maybe hasn't started yet or is just starting out, what obstacles can they avoid that, you know, maybe you made? So a big obstacle I made was, I mean, a big mistake I made was trying to figure everything out by myself. I was trying to, learn dropshipping by myself, learn marketing by myself. Maybe that was just me being a little, I guess, um, too confident or something like that. But I lost a lot of money and a lot of time just trying to figure out dropshipping by myself. Because when, like, like I said, I had my own clothing brand before I started dropshipping. And with your own clothing brand, you just need to have inventory. And then once I stumbled upon dropshipping, I realized that I could just ship the products from the suppliers straight to my customers no inventory problems and I was so stoked and I was watching so many videos and as soon as I started my first store I was just expecting like 20,000 like I was expecting thousands of dollars in sales right away I'm like oh this is so easy like I said I've succeeded but then I realized that there's so many different skills that you need to have in order to succeed and not only in just like website development but in Facebook ads and email marketing and product research and after I started self-educating myself not only generally like with psychology, with marketing, but started uh, self-educating myself in just um, pillars like product research or website development or Facebook marketing. Then I realized that I could put everything together and it's actually going to work if you apply skills that you learn online. And wait, wait one second, I'm at 2% on my computer, so I'm just going to quickly go to a chart. You can, um, we can keep this going for now as I'm working. Mobile, mobile so, interviews. I love it. Um, so, once you started drop shipping, what yep. action or what actionable items were there on that journey to when you first started making good money with it? Like, how did you 
start making money with dropshipping? So at first, and earlier on, I've been dropshipping for more than two years now. At first, I, re- I was only selling products which are $20, $25 on my own website. But then I realized that as this market is changing and uh, we're adapting to kind of oversaturation because everyone's trying to dropship, everyone is trying to dropship the same exact products without doing the proper product research. I realized my, my entire like team of website developers and Facebook marketers, we realized that we have to move on to high ticket dropshipping, which is, pro- I don't know why I have this in my uh, hand, but I realized that you need to start selling products from 300 to $500 because not only are the aesthetics there, just getting one order, spending 50 bucks on ads, getting one order, 300 bucks, automatically making like 200 something dollars, like after the product cost. But that's something that you could actually scale as a real business. Like you build an actual brand out of it. You don't uh, brand your store as a gift shop. Instead, you give it like a foreign name. Like for example, Adidas would be fashion, ex- I mean, it would be fitness accessories without an actual brand behind it, without an actual business behind it. And after we started branding our, our own stores and building businesses out of it, building Facebook pages, building Instagrams, only then did we realize that this is something that we could scale. And like the most amount of sales we've ever made in a month on my own stores was $200,000 in sales. And the average order value was 350 bucks. So that's like something that back then I realized that I, just, I couldn't go around it. That's my brother right there. So, but um, I, that's actually my, I have a twin brother. It's pretty cool. But like back then, that's something like I wouldn't be able to realize through experience because you could make a lot of money through traditional dropshipping, 20 bucks, 10 bucks. There's a lot of money to be made there. But if you want to scale to the moon, like you got to move on to high ticket dropshipping. So how do you overcome that uh, reluctance of, of individuals to spend that much money? Like I know you're talking about branding, but like tactically, like how do you do that? How do you make the customer feel comfortable enough to buy the product? Like, are you driving them straight from Facebook to the store? Are you getting email sequence? Like how are you doing that? Exactly. With high ticket products, you don't expect most customers to buy on the first time they're in the store, the second time they're on the store, the third time they come in contact with the store. But in reality, we're always, email marketing is a huge factor in high ticket dropshipping because we build out these entire sequences of newsle- newsletter sequences and we get them familiar with the product, we get them familiar with the brand and we start giving more information about the product and then obviously with discount codes, with offers, through email marketing, we could generate like 25 to 30% of our all of our sales. But obviously there's also retargeting in marketing. All those people who hit our page or all those people who are interested to watch like 50% or more of our video ad all those people, we're going to be retargeting them. Like we're going to be squeezing every single interested person in this, in this product. So it seems like you're driving traffic to a page. You're collecting the email address in one way, shape or form. Um, then a lot of times a person's not going to buy. So then you get them into an automated email sequence where you're providing value, you're telling your story, you're getting them familiar with the product, you're giving them discount codes to get them to come back. Simultaneously, you're hitting them with retargeting ads, getting them to just see you everywhere and come back to buy the product. 
is that pretty much it? Or like, like what else, what else is there? Is it just getting really good at those fundamental things or is there anything that's, else? Yeah, that's the key word. Those are the fundamental things. Then later on, if you want to keep scaling your store, like the daily amount of sales you get per day, you got to like go even further. So like our entire marketing strategy, like which I kind of developed around like a year ago, it's called the Naring methodology, right? You always start off with a broad audience, right? You have a broad audience hitting your store. And then the people that are interested are going to hit your email sequence. And we're going to look at the analytics. We're going to look at the age. We're going to look at the gender. We're going to look at the location. We're going to look at the placements like Facebook or Instagram. And we're going to narrow down our entire audience to a certain amount of like 300K to a million people, right? Once we have that small audience that we know will buy from us each time, this is based off analytics, no assumptions. Then not only do we target like everyone on the way to like finding that small audience, we also create lookalike audiences like mirror audiences that copy that kind of how do i explain this they replicate behavior and interests based off entire percentages of countries so pretend 800 people bought from my store then based off those 800 people we could create an entire population which is the one percent of america so the top one percent of americans who act and behave and have the same interests as the people that bought from us we start targeting that audience with they're called look like audiences with higher budgets because those are going to be much pro- more profitable. So initially when you're driving people to the store, you mentioned video ads. Is that one of the keys to getting people from Facebook to the store? And if so, what sort of videos are you creating? So for us, we usually find different advertisements online, which other people are using, other brands are using, just to start off, just to test products. Because on average, like one out of every four products will be a winner. And that goes back to product research with the different criteria you use, like whether it's in trend, whether it's getting engagement, whether it has high profit margins. And once we find that product, which we know is a winner, we actually order the products either to influencers that become our main like affiliates, or we order it to like ourselves and have an entire camera crew like build out an advertisement, right? For us, like we do use some type of image ads, like image ads are good for retargeting, but when you're just uh, running with cold traffic, then you should always use video ads. They're just much more engaging. Like if you ever split test photo ads versus video ads, you will always find that video ads will do better in cost per click, cost per purchase, all of that. Ah, so it seems like the skills you learned with your original agency of like making the videos, putting together that high quality product, it seems like that really carried over into the the dropshipping store. Exactly. So like when I started out, my first ever business was a modeling management and I would just invite people over to my house for like a $30, $80 photo shoot. I had a professional camera. I had a girl who did makeup. And I had an entire studio. That was like my first investment. It was like $110. Obviously, I reused that studio with like an actual video team to build out like awesome advertisements. So you identify a product. You're doing your product research strategies that have been proven by other people online. You order the product and either you send it to influencers or you bring it to your own studio. You, You gather the content. Then you drive ad or you drive traffic using that content to your sales page. And then do you or, or where do you drive it? Like how do you collect that email on initially? We run we run advertisements onto straight product pages. 
always in dropshipping unless the product, sometimes we have one product stores, right? If the product is very uh, high ticket, like $500, then we have one product stores and they have no option but to like see that product first. But then when we collect emails, we, all we do is have a simple app that says, get 15% off your purchase with the code. And then like, you'll get a code if you enter your email. As soon as they get into the email list, join the newsletter, there's obviously like at the bottom of the page also options to join the newsletter. Then we run like 12 to 15 email sequences, which after like the seventh sequence, all it is is just promotion. Right? It's kind of like the beginning introduction to the brand. Get them instead of like cold leads to warm leads. And those who are actually reading us, reading those emails like every time, those are the ones who will most likely buy. And then also you could build entire emails, I mean entire lookalike audiences, which I mentioned, off of email lists is pretty awesome as well so anyone who's interested enough to join the email join the newsletter we could build look like audiences based off entire populations that's cool that's really cool so when you are writing these sequences are you writing it as max or are you writing it as the brand like who is the, the entity that is speaking to these customers usually like it's going to be karen from brand x it's going to be like we once we when we run email marketing we always want to make it feel like an actual person like um and the, some people say that the future of copy the future of copywriting is actually bad grammar because kind of grammar is going down and we want to relate with them we want to make it as personal as possible and that's sound like a computer so it's karen speaking to them well she's extremely casual she's not formal at all and She's giving them, she's like, as if it's a normal conversation, right? And she always says in the bottom that, oh, you can reply to us anytime. And we have like uh, virtual assistants who answer all emails, answer all questions. That's awesome. That is a really, really interesting way to go about doing that because it seems like it's not going to take that much work once you've gotten that system up and running and figured out for one product to duplicate that for all of your other products, especially if you're staying in the same niche. It seems like, you know, you get one up and running and then you just, you just kind of scale from there. So that's, that's really interesting, man. So, um, when, when you then started to really make money, right. With, with your own drop shipping store, uh, how did you how did you evolve into the automation platform, the coaching? Like, take us through that chronology. So, actually, like my the beginning of my path when I had my first ever store, which did like twenty thousand dollars in sales in a month, it was like twenty percent profit. But back then, to me, that was um like a, the, my first huge achievement. I started posting about it on my Instagram. I was posting tips. I was posting results. I was posting Facebook ads. And all of a sudden I was gaining like a little following, right? And little did I know I was growing like an actual kind of, not a fan base, but like just a following. And also people started DMing me saying, oh, you do $20,000 in sales. I do $30,000 in sales. Let's collab on a store. I'm like, yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden we're collabing experts in email marketing with experts in Facebook ads and experts in website development. And then we started getting stores which are doing 70K in sales. And then later on, more people are DMing me who've done like millions of dollars in sales. And I'm like, okay, let's collab. And through those collaborations, we ended up building a team that was able to do 200K in sales in just one month. So after that, like me continuously showing my results, me continuously meeting new people online, that ended up in me building my own personal brand. 
And with your own personal brand, it's like so amazing because you could just meet people that change your lives. Most of the people I've met through online, like I've been doing business with them for like a year or more and I've never met them in real life. And it's just so awesome. I have people in France. I have um, my main marketing guy and like guy who's made me so much money. He, he lives in France, which is awesome. And once you start providing for like, once you start, once you like know the skill, you feel like you're kind of obliged to share it with the entire world. I feel like there's so many people trying dropshipping, but you're just watching like YouTube videos online, which have strategies, which worked like two years ago, three years ago. And it's just like a damn shame because you can't contact everyone like one-on-one. So I started like answering all my DMs, answering all these questions. And if you just kind of deliver the goods, good things will follow because I've gotten so many awesome students, which just introduced me to stocks, introduced me to Airbnbs, introduced me to credit. And because of those students, like which, for example, they were succeeding in Amazon FBA and they introduced me to that because I was able to help them with their own dropshipping stores and help them succeed. After that, like I was able to develop not only sources of income in like multiple dropshipping stores, but even like I had a, a student who helped me invest into stocks and we ended up doing like 18% for the year, which is like not bad at all. Right. And people also like who do millions in Airbnb. That's mostly with my automation program as well. Like once I started with my automation program, we basically guarantee and contract that we will get them $20,000 in sales at 30% profit margin. And like, if we don't get $20,000 in sales minimum, we set that as the minimum because we're confident we could do more. We're confident that like we won't have to refund them the money. And after we get like, let's say $35,000 in sales and the client that we did that for the millions in Airbnb, then they just, because we deliver the goods, this client will introduce us into an entire new industry and that changes everything. So take us through this automation program. Uh, like, what exactly is it? How do you, how do you do it? What is it? So we build a store from completely scratch, right? Like my entire website development team. And as soon as we sign the client, we guarantee them 20K in sales and contracts. So they could, they could legally sue me if we don't get them 20K in sales. But that's the minimum that we set because from the second we start running advertisements, we already have products which we tested for ourselves and which we know are winners, high ticket products. And as soon as we um, start running their advertisements, we're not testing, we're not looking for data, we're not looking for that small audience that will buy from us each time. Instead, we're looking to start scaling their store right away and start getting as many sales as possible. And with high ticket products, like I said, the profit margins are much higher because um, you're kind of, you will usually pay less to get like more orders. So if you pay less to get like smaller orders, you're just going to have less profit margins. And basically my entire uh, affiliate, it basically works. This is automation program off affiliates because most clients were extremely happy to see the amount of sales they are getting per month. So they're trying to get another store at $10,000 again, but this time they want to get this entire store through affiliate uh, commissions, right? 20%, 20%, 20%. So they start, they say, okay, I'll refer you five people so I can get a new store. And then not only like, do I get five more clients, but they also double their income. And then these new people are being introduced to me as well. So somebody comes in, they pay you 10 grand and you're promising them 20 grand. In sales, right? And 30% profit margin. This is going to be a continuous store. That's every single month. 
but the minimum they'll make is six thousand dollars in profit that's the minimum but that's only for the first month this con this um store is continuous and that's just the minimum like obviously we we usually like more than 150 percent x the initial investment and ten thousand dollars is the starting amount we usually we've sold programs for twenty five thousand for forty thousand just because the store that we gave them was already generating sales the previous previous month. So if it already made thirty thousand dollars in sales last month, sales and dropshipping are basically basically exponential. Every single month they grow more and more because you get more data, you get lookalike audiences and all that. It's one campaign, one Facebook ad campaign which is growing. So these clients are willing to pay more for stores which are already in progress and they're basically leasing the store. So what's the benefit to you for sharing all these winners? Like you're, you're making this money. Why wouldn't you just scale up your own stuff? Why would you offer other people the ability to come in and take some of your uh, profit? So for now I'm running five different stores and that's because that's the most I could run for with my own credit cards, with my own debit cards and my own payment processors. If I could process 20 million dollars in sales like per year like where um per month like i would but i just can't like my processor doesn't allow that and i can't spend that much money on credit cards even though i have other people spending for my team as well but i also take 20 percent of all profits from the client so that's a that's a way for me to kind of build my sources of income as well while providing so much value to high ticket clients which introduced me to so many dope things as well Dude, you're freaking awesome. And I appreciate you sharing all this insane value because there are so many people that I come across that they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this, that, and the other thing. You're like, okay, well, how'd you do it? And they're like, well, it's proprietary. It's like, come on, man. Like, you're, you're talking about it. Like, come on, share with it. You know, let us peek under the kimono. So thank you very much for, uh, for, for sharing all that stuff. Um, you know, we talked a lot about business. Parallel to that, what's been going on in your personal life this whole time? So, like, one huge thing which I feel like most entrepreneurs face when starting out is, like, kind of jealousy, mockery, like, a lot of people making fun of you for, like, having high ambitions. I, I guarantee, like, any kid in high school, just go up to their friends and be like, seriously, I want to get a 1600 on my SAT. They're shooting for the stars. Every single kid around them is going to laugh at them. Be like, oh, you're crazy. You're never going to get that. Right. And the same thing with me. When I said I'm going to make my first $10,000, kids were laughing. The kids, like my own friends, like are still either through jealousy or through just not understanding business in general or like not having the mindset. They still laugh at me, like for just doing e com and for just trying. Right. And that's because people have like a psychological discomfort when uh, if someone has like such high ambitions and they're actually going to go after it and someone's too lazy to go after their own ambitions or not have those ambitions, you're going to have a like, bit of psychological discomfort, which is going to like end up hating on the other person. So I lost a lot of friends, right? Um, I gained a lot of friends from like new people online, which was awesome. But socially, I feel like I didn't really have like the best of benefits because like now I don't really know who my real friends are because a lot of people like want to be friends with you for the money and all of that. But uh, with my family, it's, it's never been better to be honest. Like sometimes your family is like a little worried about you. Like when I had those first like flights, cause like I actually took my brother and we traveled the world 
like that's something which I was more than happy to like reinvest my profits into. Like I took my family as well, like to Italy. I took my brother to Brazil, Amsterdam, France, Russia for the World Cup. Like we're huge soccer fans. So like with the family, obviously there's gonna be like the little bit of nervousness, but obviously they just want the best. But with your friends, you gotta kind of know who your real friends are. Absolutely, man. So, dude, you're freaking, you're crushing it. Like, I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Like, dude, I, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, truly, truly thank you so much for, for sharing all that you have so far. Um, I'm interested because typically I ask this to people who, who are older, and I'm really interested to see what your perspective is on this. Um, but what is your philosophy? on developing deep, meaningful, and genuine uh, connection or connections with another, another person? That's a good question. So for me, it's like the best relationships I have with like friends or like even with my people in my own family is like setting goals together, right? I feel like that's the best way to build an actual connection with someone is you shoot for the stars and the best feeling in the world, I feel true happiness is just achieving like goals, which everyone told you was impossible. I feel like there's nothing better than that. Right. So a lot of good friends I have and the friends that chose to like support me through, I guess like when I wasn't succeeding in entrepreneurship, they stuck with me. They were helping me at all costs in all of my ventures, those friends who I set those crazy goals with and just imagine those lifestyles and eventually achieve them with them. I feel like there's nothing, you can't get any closer than that. Like not only like true trustful, but like true happiness, like with your relationship. That's awesome, man. What's your greatest theory? My theory. These are awesome questions, but I feel like my greatest theory is the fact that you just have to be like, it's not really my own theory, but this is the theory which I live by. I feel like you need to be an anti-conformist, but without like, your parents involved without your friends involved because most kids do pretty bad in school because their, their family is kind of like forcing them to do something. But if you're able to realize something on your own, that like changing the world is something that like you should commit time to, then once you like figure that out yourself, then you will find like true success in it because I was able to understand like everything fixed in my head first, right? I had that mindset first. And then when I told my brother about it, just because he didn't realize it, just because like he wasn't on his own path, like he was never able to kind of adapt and accept entrepreneurship because he wasn't the one who realized that like, wait a minute, like why are we all going through the same exact system? And like, why aren't we doing anything about it? Right. And like, I realized that actually when I was talking to my grandpa on the phone and he asked me, he's like, "Uh, are you doing your homework every day? I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, are you playing video games? I'm like, no. But like back then I was lying. Right. (laughs) And then, He's like, are you reading books? I'm like, yeah. And I'm just straight up lying to him. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Like there's probably like the same exact conversation going on with like family members all around the world. And like, why aren't I like doing something about it? I don't want to be average. Right. So I feel like anti-conformity is something I live by. I mentioned already a couple of times. Is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are? that I didn't ask you about today? In other words, what did I miss? Okay, let me think about that. So I feel like something that I touched upon, but you didn't ask me about is that 
I had to take like a lot more sacrifices than like most people would think. And like now you kind of see like the way I'm living, like the achievements, I mean, the goals I'm achieving, but like you didn't see like all those kind of times where like I just completely destroyed my health and I was doubting myself. Like I had huge doubts in myself and like in succeeding in entrepreneurship, right? And something, but like there's, like I said, that switch, which kind of gave me that confidence I don't know if it's luck. I don't know if it's like a combination of like the butterfly flex of everything like I went through. But then like I finally, like when I finally realized that like, oh, maybe these sacrifices are worth it. Like maybe um, I do have the potential to succeed and it kind of also uh, piggybacks off of thinking we're rich. But once I had like that revelation, that epiphany, then like my life changed, not only in happiness, but in success as well. That's awesome, man. So Max, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on the show, sharing everything that you have. Uh, you rock, bro. And to everybody who's listening, watching, I want to thank y'all for supporting the show, for sticking with us this long. Uh, I cannot imagine how much your eyebrows are singed off from all the awesome information that Max has been uh, delivering here, the serious value bomb. So uh, if you made it this far, you're seriously a trooper. But uh, thank you guys again. Uh, Max, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, I mean, if anyone like wants to ask me any questions about just like entrepreneurship, about dropshipping mindset, like they could just DM me. And like I, I spend like three, four hours a day on DMs just like answering questions, giving people tips. And my Instagram is just like maxime.trubitsky. Uh, it's going to be hard to spell, but. Awesome. Awesome. So again, thank you again, Max. And to everybody, there's nothing that you cannot do on this planet. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that is out of reach. So keep going. Keep doing you your thing. Let's change the world together. I'll see you on the next episode.